I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've got so many things to say, I don't know where to even begin at times. People say, do you use all those notes up here? I take a peek at them once in a while. Uh, And I've been trying to teach on Saturday about the pestilence, or particularly, to be more specific, the judgments of God. The judgments of God. And we went through some things on the coronavirus. I don't really care who started the coronavirus. I don't care how serious it is or how serious it is not. Let me tell you who started it. God started it. I don't care who manipulated it. I don't care if it started in China or in America. I don't care who's behind it. I don't care who's financing it. The Bible teaches that all disease is pestilence that comes from God. There's four judgments. The sword, the famine, the pestilence, which is disease, and the beast. And the beast, it's not hard to understand who the beast is. The beast was the final judgment. God would send sword, famine, pestilence into Israel. They went for 510 years. And I'm talking more about the beast. All these go together. The sword is war. Famine always goes with pestilence. And it's always accompanies it, and pestilence is all kinds of disease. And then famine is a shortage of food, and that is all over the world right now. Shortage, uh, and that's before the the coronavirus. It it doesn't mean if it's coronavirus or polio or AIDS or Ebola or the black plague, or the bubonic plague, it all came from God. And it came because preachers are not telling the truth. That's where it comes from. That's the cause of it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, and in Exodus 15, and in Leviticus 26, and many other places, 26, God says, if you don't follow my commandments and my statutes, commandments and statutes, I will, he says in verse 28, 15, that's where he says, I'll send all these curses upon you. I'll have all kind of diseases to come and you will be removed, removed to all the nations of the world. Removed is it is a implication of the beast. It's not just an implication. It's God prophesying the beast will come and carry you off into captivity. The Bible also says this in Leviticus 26. Four times he says, I'll multiply your, your transgressions by seven. And four times he says, I'll punish you seven times for your sin four and seven is always together all through the bible he says over in in luke the eighth chapter and luke numbers count in the bible luke the eighth chapter he said jesus fed four thousand with seven loaves 
of broken bread, seven and four. Any number that's multiplied by ten, a hundred, a thousand is a form of the original number. You're going to find four and seven all through the Bible. For 510 years, Israel went after Baal and the grove. The grove was the same thing as Venus, Aphrodite. All the female deities were represented as tree goddesses. That was the grove was Asherah, means an upright goddess. Means an upright goddess. Baal was the same thing as Hercules or Jupiter or any of these other gods. They called all of their gods in the ancient world by the title of D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Oh, that's how demonion is our word demon. Demons are not real. Demons were the gods of the ancient world. And that's what Israel worshipped. Baal, Grove, Shemash, Molech, all the gods of the people around them. And for that, the reason they did that, the reason they did that, they didn't like the laws of God, the laws of God. Particularly, there was one law that they were just adamantly against, and that was the law of the sabbatical year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every seven years, God says, and he tells them this, in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, 25, you have to let the land lie fallow every seven years. They said, we don't like that. Well, that's tough. That is in the place of what we would call crop rotation. You cannot just grow fields every year of the same thing, crop rotation. In the Midwest... You go out to Kansas, you go out to Iowa, the farmers out there, if they have a, if these big farmers, if they have several thousand acres that they're planting, they can't plant the same thing every year. If they do, it will suck all the nutrients out of the ground, the nutrients. That's what makes things grow nutrients makes the crops grow in fact i had a guy that came here he had a degree in biology and he said snow is an absolute necessity for those farmers out there because it has nitrogen in it and he said nitrogen is a necessity for crops to grow in these fields well with the snow not snowing like it used to especially in our area even up in wisconsin where the doles live they said doesn't snow up there like it used to it doesn't snow in the midwest therefore this is going to cause crop devastation or famine to some degree so instead of having crop rotation i don't know how that works they would have to they have to call a farm agent out farm agent every so many months to check the soil this is an environmentalist environmentalist it's an environmentalist that comes out takes a sample of the soil takes it back to his office has it checked out i used to have to do that as a real estate agent 
whenever I would sell a house that had a septic system, they'd have some, I'd have to call the, call the agent up there in, in uh, Gallatin. He'd have to come out, take a sample of the soil and see if the soil would perk, if it would saturate the septic system. And otherwise, you couldn't sell the house if it didn't have a clear health letter on it. Well, that's the same thing as this right here. Instead of explaining to the people, you can't suck all the nutrients out of the ground. You have to stop and let the land lie fallow. You can't plant and you cannot take anything from the crop every seven years. That's one of the big reasons they said, we'll go after other gods that'll let us do what we want to do. When you get to Hosea, the second chapter, the Bible says that they wanted to give credit, Israel wanted to give credit to their lovers, and they called idol worship, they called that their lovers. Idolatry, that was their lovers, and they wanted to give their lovers credit for their grain, their grain, their oil, and all the rest of their crops, their wheat, their corn, and they were giving that credit to their lovers. That way their lovers or the gods or Baal didn't require didn't require a sabbatical year. But just stop and think. After four hundred and ninety years of not keeping the sabbatical year, can you imagine how drained the land of Israel was by the time God says, I'm going to carry you into captivity. But when I carry you away, it's not going to be to destroy you by Babylon and by Assyria. It's so you can stay there until the land has enjoyed her Sabbaths. In fact, let me show you that. I'll go back to Le- to Leviticus 25, but let me show you this. Go over here to Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. In Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, this is where Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, or the king of the beast, he comes in and he carries Israel away. Look here, sometimes I don't even know where to start with this. My mind's going to a hundred places. So I just stop in the middle of it and say, let me show you this. Look here in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. Nebuchadnezzar is coming in. This is in 586 B.C. You say, why those dates? You need to know that was the last deportation. That was a military destruction of Jerusalem, of Israel, and God had Nebuchadnezzar come in, level the temple, level the city, burn it all to the ground, and they would always sow it, plowed up with a plow and sow it with salt. So in a matter of months, Israel looked like a wasteland. And here in, this is Nebuchadnezzar coming in to carry southern Judah away into captivity. Look in verse 17. Therefore he brought upon them, upon Israel. Well, let me read 16. Israel mocked the messengers of God. They mocked Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all of the prophets of God that went in to tell them judgments coming from the east. Nebuchadnezzar's on the way, and he's going to level this place. 
That's what Jeremiah was telling them. And they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets. They misused Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the rest of those super prophets like Elisha and Elijah. And they wanted to kill them because they were hurting them by making them tell them, you better keep these sabbatical years until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. There's no remedy. Marpe is the word remedy. It means no cure. Marpe. There was no cure. There's no cure for the judgment of God. There's no cure for sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is the head of the beast world system here. He had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. Didn't have any compassion on anybody. He says, I will not pity. I wrote a paper on that. I will not pity. He gave them all into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, all of the snuffers, all of the pans that they dip coal with, all of the candles and everything that they needed, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and his princes, all of these he brought to Babylon. Babylon was about 650 miles away from Jerusalem. You had to go up north, go around this way, because all this was Arabian Desert down there. And they burned the house of God. They burned the temple and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them he had them that had escaped the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him or to Nebuchadnezzar and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia. So so you're going to jump from verse 20 to verse, go down here to verse 22. You're going to jump from 586, 539 B.C. That's when the Persian king comes in, overthrows Babylon. Then he says, Then them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon. Those that tried to resist, he killed them. Millions of them. Where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. Persia was what we call Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq. All of that was not Iraq. Pakistan, Afghanistan, all the stands was Persia. And here's what they were carried away for to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. That's the reason. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to sabbatical years to fulfill fulfill three score. A score is 20. Three score is 60 and 10 years that's 70 years they never kept their sabbatical years that's it that's the main reason 
Now, let me show you. Go back over here to Leviticus, the 26th chapter. Leviticus 26. Now, Leviticus 25 gives the sabbatical years. Let me give you this, and then I'll go back and look at the sabbatical years. This is the main reason that they went after other gods. The other gods wouldn't require Sabbath years. They're saying, if you think we're not going to reap something we planted, they planted in the sixth year, but they weren't allowed to reap it in the seventh year. They had... They had winter crops they planted that they would reap come come the spring of the seventh year, but they weren't allowed to reap it. They planted in the seventh year only the poor, the needy, and the cattle and the animals could go out there in the field and take it. Then he says here in Leviticus 26, And he says here, 26 and 33, I will scatter you among the heathen. That's what he's doing in the 36th chapter. And will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities will be waste. After Nebuchadnezzar came in, Israel and Jerusalem looked like a wasteland. Most people don't know there was a captivity, and that captivity lasted from when Nebuchadnezzar carried Israel away. It has lasted 2,600 years from the carrying away until May 14th, 1948. They were scattered. They were under the siege of the sword siege of the sword war has been against Israel from 586 to May 14th 1948 and particularly the six day war six day war of 1967 1967 in the 67 war Jerusalem was being ruled before that by the Jordanians. Jordan is just is just east of Israel. That's Jordan. Jordan is the land of Moab and Ammon. Let me go over here and see if I can find Jordan. All right. Jordan here. Let's look at Jordan. Well, I don't have a Jordan real close by. Jordan is right. Here's Israel. This is Jordan right over here. This is Moab. Ammon is right up here. So that is Israel, Moab, and Ammon, which is Jordan. Now, where was I? 34. Then shall the land enjoy, when I scatter you, then will the land enjoy her Sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate. God's plan was not to have them 
well, it was. I started to say it wouldn't have them scattered for 2,600 years. He had a, an immediate plan. He said, I'm going to put you over in Babylon for 70 years. And you'll be in Babylon for 70 years till the land, if you leave the land alone for 70 years, the nutrients will begin to restore in the land. Then I can bring you back to back to Israel from Babylon after it has sat there and restored the nutrients. So God planned for Israel not to listen to him when the four decrees were given to go back and rebuild the temple, the temple and to rebuild the city. There were four decrees. The first three was about the temple. That was in that was in Ezra, the first chapter. First chapter. Ezra, the sixth and the seventh chapter. That's the first three decrees. The the decree to rebuild the city was in Nehemiah, the second chapter. Nehemiah and Ezra were compadres. They were friends. Then he says, Then shall the land enjoy Sabbath as long as it lay desolate. Ye be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest. The land has to rest and you have not left it alone. That's what made them go after other gods. The other gods wouldn't require nothing. Of course, they weren't real gods either. They set the standard themselves. And enjoy her Sabbaths. Now you can remember... Just reverse 43, 34 to 43. Look up at verse 43. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them and they shall accept the punishment of their iniquity when they're carried away into Babylon because even because they despised my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes that's they have despised me when I told them here's the program God is not going to stop and teach them crop rotation he's just going to say leave the land alone every seven years and they say why he said because I said so He's not going to tell them why. He's not going to say, you'll burn the land up. It'll just, after they were there for 500 years or 490 years, never keeping Sabbath. I don't know which ones are the kings. I'm sure. Once there were three righteous kings in Israel. There was David, who was a righteous king. There were two of the righteous kings. Does anybody know who they were? Josiah and Hezekiah. Hezekiah and Josiah, that's right. Hezekiah and Josiah were the two. So among these other kings, most of them did not keep the sabbatical years for 490 years. Now, what is that about? Let's back up to the 25th chapter. 25th chapter Leviticus is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. It's telling you about the sabbatical years. It was out of their greed said, we ain't going to stop stop harvesting in that seventh year. Well, you keep on planting and keep harvesting every seventh year. By the time they get 400 years down the road, 
they'll be like me and Mary planting that garden one time that we planted every year for 10 years and we'd go out and buy jumbo jumbo tomatoes and they'd end up being little bitty cherry tomatoes about that big because we had sucked all the nutrients out of the ground you can't plant that way that's what Israel did they said we don't care we want our crops God had told them if you keep my statutes and my commandments of which the sabbatical years was one of the commandments all you have to do is keep my commandments and I'll overflow your storehouse your basket when you go out together it'll be full you'll have more in the seventh year than you'll have otherwise you'll have more than you need well here in the 25th chapter it tells you all about the sabbatical year let's read it this is one of the main reasons this chapter why all this prophecy is taking place the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai saying speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them when you come into the land when you get into the land of Israel here's one of the rules you got to keep they're in the wilderness here in Leviticus they're still at Kadesh Barnea here when you come into the land which I give you then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord six years shalt thou sow thy field and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land a Sabbath for the Lord thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard that which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest what is growing you can't go out there and get it thou shalt not reap neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed for it is the year of rest unto the land and the sabbath of the land shall be made for you for thee and for thy servant and for thy maid and for thy hired servant and for the stranger that sojourneth with you whatever is growing out there you leave it alone it's for the servants it's for the hired people it's for the animals and for the cattle and for the beasts that are in the land shall all the increase thereof be for meat and thou shalt number seven sabbaths of years unto thee seven times seven years and the space of seven sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month that's the day of atonement in the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all the land and you shall hallow the 50th year that is the year of jubilee and proclaim liberty through all the land now every 50 years here's what they had to do in this year of jubilee you had to proclaim liberty and the inhabitants thereof it shall be a jubilee unto you and ye shall return every man unto his possession if you have if you have a man and he's a and he's a bond servant I can't any writing if a man is a bond servant 
a bond servant and he's working out a debt he owes to the owner of the land and he has to go into that owner's house and become a slave to that owner a slave back in that day and time was not what we call a slave being a slave was fantastic you went into a big landowner's house you tried to work out your your debt to him and if you were a bond servant for let's say seven years and you're only two years into it come the 50th year if the 50th year comes there he's got to forgive you all of that debt that he owes and you go back home and everybody goes back home and starts over again at square one nobody passes go and nobody collects two hundred dollars nobody debts are canceled in the 50th year they say we ain't gonna do that either moses you're out of your mind and you shall return every man his possession. You return every man unto his family. And he's no longer a servant and he no longer owes anything. That's the way God controlled, controlled greed. And all lands went back to the original owners. That, that stopped big land grabbers, landowners all over Israel. A jubilee shall be in that fiftieth year unto you, and ye shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. For it is the jubilee, and it shall be holy unto you, and ye shall eat the increase thereof of the field. In the year of this jubilee ye shall return every man unto his possession. If you've bought all kinds of land and you're a hustling guy and you can go out there and do a lot of business and own a bunch of property, every 50th year you don't own nothing anymore except your original land. That's it. They said, we ain't going to do that. You're nuts, Moses. But that was God's law. That's how he controlled these things. So, when you get over here and Israel keeps for 490 of these from 1 Samuel to Second Chronicles, which is the history of Israel in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, that's called the Book of the Kings. It's one book among the Jews, the Book of the Kings, and all that time was about 510 years, 490 of those years, 70 sets of these. God says, I'm going to carry you into Babylon, and after 70 years, and the land has enjoyed its Sabbaths, I'm going to bring you back with these decrees of these Persian kings. I'll have the... I'll have the Persians. It's amazing that only Persian kings gave these decrees, and they sounded like believers, Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, because God stirred in their hearts to let Israel go back and possess their land after 70 years. After 70 years. See, the whole idea, you're going to go over here, I'm going to have Nebuchadnezzar come in, carry you to Babylon. And then I'm going to have these decrees given. One, two, three, four. And these are going to be given by Persian kings. Persian. 
because Persia is going to overthrow Babylon in 539 B.C. The first decree will be in 538 to rebuild the temple that will be given by Darius. Temple Darius, D-A-R-I-U-S. And the second decree, not Darius, excuse me, Cyrus. Cyrus, that's the last verses of Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, and the first three or four verses of Ezra, the very next page, Ezra, the first chapter. Ezra, the first chapter, he gives that twice. He gives two witnesses to that decree. And then the second decree is in five, 520. And Darius is the king. And Cyrus has been long dead at this time, Darius. And that's given in Ezra, the sixth chapter. This is amazing. I've never heard anybody teach on the book of Ezra. And that's where these decrees were given for Israel to go back and rebuild their temple and their city. I never heard anybody even talk about it. I have never heard anybody preach in my life. And I've heard hundreds and hundreds of preachers. I've never heard any preacher preach on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I'm the only preacher I know of, and I do it thoroughly. You're hearing stuff you won't hear in any church in the country. The only people that studied are professors in seminaries. Nobody else studies it. I have spent, I've been studying the 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964. And, and I have did one series on it, 18 months on Sunday morning. Just And I didn't even finish it. You don't really finish it. And then the third decree was given. This was Ezra 6. This is Ezra 1. And the third decree was given by Artaxerxes. AR, let me write it down. In 4, 57. Could be 56. It's just no matter who you're reading. And that was given. That third decree. This is the third decree. Given by Artaxerxes. A-R-T- a X E R X E S. Artaxerxes, that was the third decree. These three decrees were given concerning the temple. The third decree to supply the temple, to supply the temple with all the extras that the priests need, and they needed more priests over there, so they sent a lot back. And they did that by Ezra. Ezra took that decree himself. And that was in Ezra, the seventh chapter. And the third, the fourth decree, let's kind of put it over here. The fourth decree was by, was in Nehemiah, the second chapter. And that was to rebuild the city, Jerusalem. All of this had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar when he went over there to carry Israel away. So that, that's the fourth decree when he goes to Artaxerxes, we'll call him Art. And Artaxerxes said, you look sad, Jeremy. You look sad, Nehemiah. What's wrong? He said, my city is burnt to the ground. Could I have decrees to go back and rebuild the city? And Artaxerxes gave him a letter with his signature on it, and that was law. So Nehemiah went back. 
He was gone for 12 years until four, until around 332 B.C. And that's about when he finished it. He finished the city and Israel had... But during this first decree, less than 50,000 Jews came back. They didn't ever really... They went back. A certain few faithful Jews went back and rebuilt these things that they were supposed to do but most of the Jews stayed in Babylon because they began to be free over there and started gathering lots of land and houses and stuff and got rich over there in Babylon they said we don't want to go back anytime you find like in Isaiah 40 when the Bible says prepare you a highway in the desert for the Lord make straight his paths it's talking about Israel making a path to come back to come back to Israel to rebuild the temple and the city because they never really wanted to come back look over in Ezra I don't know how I wander off on this but look in Ezra the second chapter, Ezra. Ezra's really interesting. Ezra, the second chapter. Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Ezra, the second chapter. Now, there were millions of Jews over in, in Babylon. In Ezra, the second chapter, down here in verse 64 the whole congregation together that came back in this first decree was 40 and 2,303 score. It was 42,360. 42, that isn't many people to have millions over in Babylon. They didn't want to come back. So God says, if you don't come back, what I'm going to do, I'm going to measure out to you the 70 weeks times 7. 70 times 7 is 490. And that was the years that they never kept the sabbatical year while they were a nation among kings. This is, this is the key to prophecy. Let me read something to you. This I've got a couple of books here on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I didn't get these till later on in my ministry career. But this is by Alva McLean. This is Daniel's prophecy of the 70 weeks. Let me read to you what he says on the first page of this. The very brief but famous prophecy of the 70 weeks recorded in Daniel 9, 24-27 has always been a focus of interest to interpreters of the word, regardless of their theological bias. But today, more than ever, in the face of significant tendencies, both in the world and the professing church, the passage talking about Daniel 9, 24-27, is attracting fresh attention, especially from those who still believe in the reality of predictive prophecy. And listen to this sentence. Probably no prophetic 
utterance is more crucial in the fields of biblical interpretation, apologetics, or eschatology than the 70 weeks of Daniel. That is the key to all prophecy. And he tells us in this book, he tells us in this book that the 70 weeks of Daniel is a bridge. It's the bridge that takes you from the Old Testament prophecy to New Testament. And it's a shame that preachers are afraid of it. It's the bridge that takes you to New Testament. My favorite verse on teaching the 70 weeks of Daniel or any prophecy is always Luke twenty-one, twenty-four. The Bible says they. Well, let's look at it. Let's look at Luke 21. Now, God says he's going to scatter Israel, and he has done it. But he's brought them back as of May 14, 1948, and as of the Sixth Day War, June 5th through June 10th, 1967, the Israelis drove the Jordanians out of Jerusalem. That's the first time they have possessed Jerusalem to rule over Jerusalem since they were carried away by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. You can read about their exodus from from Israel or their deportation in the 36th chapter of Second Chronicles. You can read about it in the 25th chapter of Second Kings. You can read about the deportation of northern Israel in the 17th chapter of Second Kings. That's the deportation by the Assyrians of northern Israel. In the 17th chapter of Second Kings. It'll tell you why they went after all these gods that kept saying all through that. And this is the same thing. What Israel was involved in is the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. and renamed the Christ Mass. How can that be? The Bible says Babylon was the mother of all idolatry. When Constantine brought into the church all these gods of the Goths, the Visigoths, the Huns, the Vandals, all of these, I've got a favorite map on here when I'm teaching on this. Right, uh, no. I got here, this one. This is my favorite map. When I'm teaching on Christmas or the bell in the grove Constantine and all the emperors of Rome this is the boot of Italy right here looks like a boot there's Rome right there for the previous 200 years all of the emperors of Rome believed they were going to lose the empire to these hordes of barbarians that were rampaging across what was the European continent Rome and all of the beasts. The beast was Babylon, that's Iraq, right here on the Euphrates River. Babylon was the same thing as Iraq. Persia was the same thing as Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and all the stands. That was Persia. This was Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. They all ruled the borders of Rome. 
the nations around the Mediterranean Sea. And that was the beast that rises up out of the sea in Daniel 7 and in Revelation 13. The beast came up out of the sea. It's very simple. It's not hard. It's because they ruled on the sea. But all of these hordes, the Hans coming from, notice this arrow, they're coming from the Far East. The Huns were the people from Mongolia. When you see the old movie about Attila the Hun with John Wayne, they said that was one of the worst movies ever did. (laughs) Here's a guy talking like this and trying to play some Iranian. Uh, It was, when he did that, they did that out in Utah. And that's when they exploded one of those atomic bombs and most of the people on that movie set including John Wayne got cancer from that and died from it including Susan Hayward she got cancer but all of these Huns the Vandals the Goths the Visigoths the Celts the Gauls they were hordes of barbarians and Rome was not ruling them and they were the Caesars were afraid that particularly the Visigoths were going to come in and overrun them and they finally did around 425 AD but they'd already established Christ's mass in the Roman church in Rome there so I'm trying to say the, the gods of the Huns had to come out of Babylon because Babylon mothered all idolatry. The gods of Israel had to come out of Babylon. So the same thing Israel worshipped was the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and renamed the Feast of Saturn Christmas. It's the same thing. So look at all the destruction God brought on Israel for for going after all these gods. Why should we be doing Christmas or Easter or all that paganism? We shouldn't. <clears throat> so when they bring all that in, they bring it into the church. And he issued that edict of toleration in 312 A.D. That's the first thing Constantine did. said, we'll tolerate one another. And that's what, that's what, that's what Catholicism was founded on. Now... I don't know any way other than just to... I was going to give you something here, and I think I forgot it in the loop. Luke 21. Huh? Luke 21. Oh, Luke 21, yeah. Thank you. This, I always use this, and it fits in anywhere I put it in this history. This history of Israel being scattered all over the world. Luke 21... And let's start reading here in verse in verse twenty. When you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, compassed is the word kuklao, k u k l o o, k u k l o o. We get the word kuklos from that K-U-K-L-O-S or the word kuklux. The kuklux clan comes from that word kuklux. It means circle. 
circle has to do with the sun being a circle. It has to do with the with the sunburst behind the heads of the saints, which is halo, which is the worship of the sun. That doesn't belong behind the heads of any saints. That's a halo. And that's the circle. When you see Jerusalem encircled by armies, when were they encircled? Oh, 586 B.C. 586 B.C. I can't even write when I'm talking. They were encircled 586. And the beast carried them away and ruled them all the way to May 14, 1948. And I've got a paper here on all the people that ruled them. They were under the sword. Well, let's finish reading the rest of this. When you see Jerusalem campus with armies, then know that the desolation of Jerusalem is nigh. And let them which are in Judea, which are the mountains around Jerusalem, run for your life while the armies are in Jerusalem. Stay out of Jerusalem for 2,600 years. Let them which are in the midst of Jerusalem, Judea, depart out, and let not them that are in the countries surrounding Jerusalem, don't come into Jerusalem. These are bloody days. For these be the days of vengeance. Whose vengeance? God's revenge. God's taking vengeance on Jerusalem because they ignored him all the time. They were a nation. That's why they're scattered. But warn to them that are with child. And you're in the middle of Jerusalem. And you're pregnant woman. Them that give suck in those days babies. For there shall be great distress in the land of Israel and wrath upon this people. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles for how long? Until Jerusalem will be trodden down from Nebuchadnezzar all the way to when they received possession of Jerusalem again. And that didn't happen till the Six Day War of 1967. They'll be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentile rule over Jerusalem is fulfilled because that's what this is talking about. So we're talking about how long Jerusalem is going to be scattered. Let me give you a couple of verses. Go back to go back to Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29. And this will remind you that he's saying you got to go over into Babylon for 70 years till the land is enjoyed or Sabbaths. Jeremiah 25. And this will give this to you again. 
25, verse 12. And it shall come to pass. Now, Jeremiah is telling Jerusalem, telling Israel, Nebuchadnezzar is on the way. He's going to carry you away into captivity. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished and in Babylon that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, another name for Babylon, and will make it a perpetual desolation. And I will bring upon that land, upon Babylon, all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. Now look at 29. So you see, you see the 70 years there. And go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 and verse 10. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, causing you to return to this place. And he tells them earlier in that chapter, Verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of God of hosts of Israel unto all that are carried away captives. What's amazing, everybody knows about 400 years of bondage in Egypt for Israel, but I've never run into anybody that is familiar with the 2,600 years of captivity from, from Nebuchadnezzar until the end of time. I believe we're at the very end of all things. Thus saith the Lord, verse 4, chapter 29, uh, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses in Babylon, dwell in them, plant gardens and eat fruit of them. You're going to be there 70 years. Take wives, begat sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons. You're not going back soon. Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and that you may be increased there and not diminished. God didn't take them to Babylon to destroy them. He took them there to let the land enjoy its Sabbath for 70 years. But most of them didn't want to go back. So he says, I'm going to measure this out to you. And the measuring of the 70 weeks is prophecy. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive. Get along with the people in Babylon. You can keep all of your laws over there. Only thing is they're going to have to confront the pre-Pharisees that are called rabbis when they come up with their halakha. For for the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 8, God of Israel, let not your prophets nor your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye have caused to dream. For they prophesy falsely when you're in Babylon unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. And this is going to be the men that raise themselves up and call themselves rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. And there's a lot to that. And y'all know that. Now, let's go back over here to Daniel. 
if you don't come back after 70 years and most of them did not come back they stayed in Babylon because they were freed by those kings and they bought lands and houses and things and stuff and got rich in Babylon and they didn't want to come back now let's go over here to Daniel 9 and let's look at this one more time Daniel 9 24 Ezekiel comes to get not Ezekiel the angel of the Lord Gabriel comes to Babylon and let me read the first verse of the ninth chapter in the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus Darius began to reign in Babylon. Darius. He began to reign in Babylon in 522 B.C. This is very important. Darius. 522. Just a short review, B.C. Just a short review. Remember, Israel came back and the first decree was given in 538. In 538. Israel got a lot of flack from a man named Tatanai in 536. And Tatanai threatened to go over here to Babylon and tell the king. So they quit building for 16 years. They quit building the temple. The decree was given in 538 to rebuild it. When they get over here to 522, it's in Darius' reign. In 520, 520 B.C., that's when two men rise up. 520. That's when Haggai and Zechariah rise up. And they're told to command Israel to get back busy building. But that's in 520. That's in the second year of Darius, the king of Persia. Now, so Daniel is crying out the first year of Darius, which is 520 B.C. The son of Ahasuerus, the seed of the Medes, now, this will confuse you if you don't know that Persia was a dual empire. A dual empire means two nations were ruling. Persia and the Medes. It was a Persian-Mede empire. I've checked out the Medes, and I believe that they were the this nation in northern uh, Iran the uh, Kurds I believe the Kurds were possibly the Medes you hear about the Kurds in Kurdistan and the fight and the battle they're having over there they have a nation but they don't have any boundary lines they live in northern Iran I've done some research on the Kurds they believe they are Caucasians that were from the European area, what we call Europe, Europe, 
and they came over, migrated over to Persia, and kind of set up a nation in northern Iran. In fact, there was a Kurds down at Farmer's Market, and they had a uh, those sandwiches, the gyro sandwiches. And I asked one of them, I said, do you all have a nation over there? He said, yes. I said, do you have boundary lines? He said, no. We're like a bunch of gypsies. I said, you have a king? They said, yes, we have a king. It's believed that the Kurds were possibly the Medes or descendants of the Medes. So this is a Persian-made empire. When you saw Cyrus overthrowing Babylon, Cyrus was a Persian. But when it comes up and says that Darius was a Mede, it was the same empire. So, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and we just read it in 25 and in 29, the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. Jerusalem wouldn't have anything worth going back to a living for living for in for 70 years. And all through this chapter, Daniel is just, he's confessing all this evil we have done. He includes himself with it. And he's crying in prayer, Lord, how long are we going to be in this captivity? And he didn't probably didn't know the answer was going to be very depressing. So, verse 21, I read this last week, I'm going to read it again. Yea, while I was yet speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. The evening oblation, the oblation was the bread sacrifice that was offered with the lamb every evening about sundown, right there at the temple. You got the temple. And every morning at sunup, and every evening at sundown, around 6 o'clock, 6 and 6, every morning they offered a, a lamb, and they had an oblation with it, a bread offering. Bread. And there's reasons for that that I won't go into. A lot to it. So, Gabriel comes and talks to Daniel. How would you like that, have an angel of the Lord come and talk to you? And Gabriel informed me, Daniel says, and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. You ask how long you're going to be in captivity? Let me tell you. At the beginning of the supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, Daniel, Oh, I would love for the angel of God to tell me that, wouldn't you? Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Here it is right here. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. 
to rectify all of this wrong that you have done. He named six things that Israel has to do. And I read it last week. It doesn't say 70 weeks. It says 77s. 77s. That's 490. 70 times 7 is 490 years. And he says, since you didn't come back, this is the key to prophecy right here. Seventy-sevens are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. The holy city, according to Hebrews 12, we are heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. That's what the church is. Literal Jerusalem was called Sodom and Egypt in the 11th chapter of Revelation where Jesus was crucified because the Pharisees were running the show there to do six things to finish this transgression that you've done against God by going after Bell in the grove to make an end of all your sins now the end of sins of Israel won't happen until the end of time To make reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation is the same exact word as atonement. Kafar. That's the sprinkling of the Ark of the Covenant on the tenth day of the seventh month when the high priest would go through the veil and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant seven times. To make reconciliation for iniquity, that's number three. To bring in everlasting righteousness, that's going to be at the end of time. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. Seal up means to stop or make an end by fulfilling. And to anoint the most holy. The most holy was the inner sanctuary and that was called the house of God to anoint the house of God. Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? When the last person comes into the fold, the last one that's one of God's elect, that will be the complete anointing of the house of God. And I'm not going to go into this deeper. I could go into it, spend time in it. Know therefore and understand, here's the way the 70 weeks are going to be measured out. From the going forth of command to restore and build Jerusalem, that happened in Nehemiah, the second chapter. People want to argue about what started the 70 weeks of Daniel. There's no argument to it. They want to argue and say, some say it was in the, it was the first decree that was given, Cyrus. First decree. Some try to say it was a first decree. That was about rebuilding the temple. That's in Ezra, the first chapter. Some want to say, well, it was during Darius' reign. The second decree. Darius, second decree, Ezra, six. Darius could only reaffirm Cyrus decree because the decrees of the laws of the of the of the Medes and the Persian altered not it meant you couldn't change the decree after a 
after a monarch gave a decree, it was there for as long as, as the Persian Empire lasted. And all Darius could do was confirm Cyrus' decree when he found it in the summer house of Cyrus, and Cyrus is long dead. The third decree was in Ezra. So there's nothing about rebuilding the city in that in Ezra 6 or in Ezra 1. Nothing. The third decree was by Artaxerxes, Art, I'll just put Art, in Ezra the, Ezra the seventh chapter. Well, the third decree, there's nothing about rebuilding the city in that. All that's for is, is sending supplies for the temple that they're rebuilding. And in the fourth decree, Nehemiah, the second chapter. In Nehemiah, the second chapter, Nehemiah is very sad. And he's a cupbearer in the court of Artaxerxes. And it was a death penalty to be said in the court of a Persian king. You could die for that. And Artaxerxes says, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Well, Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. It says Nehemiah was, that he feared there in Nehemiah, the second chapter, the first couple of verses. The reason he was afraid it was against the law to be sad in the presence of a Persian king. But Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. He said, Nehemiah, what do you need? I'll give it to you. And he said, can you give me a letter to rebuild my city? He could not have given him a letter because once a decree was given, if there had been a decree to rebuild the city and any of these others, no way Artaxerxes could have given Nehemiah letters. Once a Persian king gave letters. This was around 444 B.C. Around 444. And he gives him letters to rebuild the city. He even asked Nehemiah, how long are you going to be gone? He was gone 12 years rebuilding the city. And Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. Now, let's read on. This is the key to all prophecy in the Bible. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, you can put Nehemiah the second chapter right there. Unto Messiah the Prince from 444. A prince was one who was to be made king. So from this decree until Jesus comes in Jerusalem and presents himself as the prince of God who ultimately becomes king and that's in Luke the 19th chapter. Let's go to Luke 19. Luke 19. This is where Jesus, this is four days before the Passover, where he's crucified as a Passover lamb, and he's coming into Jerusalem. Verse 37. When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, 
the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice and with almighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. When you look at Matthew's account in 21.1, here's what Matthew says they're saying. They're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna means God save King Jesus. They presented him as king four days before the Passover. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke your disciples. Tell them not to call you the king. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, thou even this thy day, the things that belong to thy peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. From the going forth of commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. 444, until Christ the Prince, who is the profound King, And they took him as the Passover lamb and killed him as the lamb. And he was the lamb of God. The time period there, you can go back to Daniel 9, 26, after 9, 25. From the going forth of commandment to restore and build Jerusalem in 444 B.C. And to Messiah the Prince in Luke 19, when Christ is presented as the Prince to be crowned king, shall be seven weeks three score and two weeks a score is 20 three score is 60 62 weeks plus seven weeks is 69 of the 70 weeks of daniel 69 weeks so the time period between 444 to messiah the press will be 69 weeks and or 483 years. So you got one week to go. One week to go. And that will be at the end of time. What some people call the seven years of tribulation. And what's going to lead us up to the end of that, you're going to have in the last days the last 2,000 years God's going to open the eyes of the Gentile church which will be spiritual Israel and they'll be circumcised of the heart over that 2,000 year period and right here before he's crucified he blinds the eyes of the Jews blinds their eyes so they can't see or hear the truth. And now it's all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh, that all flesh will be saved. Not every human being, but men of every nation, tongue, and tribe. Now, let's go back over to Daniel. 
Daniel 9. How much time do I have, Mike? Boy, I'm just barely getting started in this. I wanted to get in Ezekiel. What I'm going to do next week, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to take you from 586 when they're carried away into captivity, carry you all the way through all they were ruled. Israel was ruled by all these nations. They were led into captive into all nations. And after they were carried away, Babylon ruled them. Then they were overthrown by the Persian Mede Empire. Persia ruled them. But they gave them a chance by the four decrees to come back. And God touched the hearts of these kings to give these decrees. And then Persia was overthrown by Greece. And Alex the Great, I'll just put A.G., he ruled Greece. And then when he died around 318 B.C., he was young. He was probably about 28 to 30, somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's believed that one of his generals killed him. And Greece was put under his four generals, Lysacomus. And they were ruling Israel. In fact, Israel, the Sacramus, Cassander, uh, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. You've heard me say this many times. Seleucus, that's Syria. That's the Syrian area right above Israel. And Seleucus got the lion's share of Alexander the Great's empire. And Seleucus was up here in Syria, right above Israel. And he was ruling an empire, not an empire, but a large number of people. And Israel was right here. And Egypt was down here. There's the Delta land and the Nile River running down here. And this is Egypt here. And there was a highway, and Seleucus was Assyria, and that's where all the different Antiochus, Antiochus the God, Antiochus the Great, Antiochus Epiphanes, which was the type or the picture of the man of sin at the end of time. And there was, all this was desert down here. Well, the Syrians are the Seleucians. They were always trying to attack Egypt down here. That was where Ptolemy, that one general, that's where Ptolemy was given us all Egypt and Ethiopia. And Seleucians always attacking, was always attacking Egypt. And the highway there was Israel. So they were just a highway to receive all of the 
and the anger and the rage of the solutions as they come down. Well, there was a time when Antiochus Epiphanes came down here to attack Egypt, but the people that were ruling Rome, ruling the world, was the boot of Italy here, and the Roman sent a, they sent a commander down here to put, give the word to Antiochus Epiphanes, and he had to meet them on the island of Cyprus. They had to meet on the island of Cyprus, C-I-P-R-U-S, not E-S-S. And this gener- this representative of Rome told Antiochus Epiphanes, I'm going to draw a circle around you, and you will not step out of that circle until you promise me you will not attack Egypt. And he grit his teeth and got enraged, said, all right. So he promised the Otherwise, Rome would send their armies in and crush Antiochus. So it shows you that Seleucus really wanted to rule the world, but he couldn't. So he, so what he did, he came back. He didn't attack Egypt. And Rome didn't care if he attacked Israel. So he came back to Jerusalem and desecrated the temple and Antiochus Epiphanes. Attacked, attacked Jerusalem, desecrated the temple, and Antiochus Epiphanes is a picture of the man of sin at the end of time that will desecrate this temple, which temple we are, man of sin. He's the Old Testament picture of the man of sin in the New Testament. That's another story. Now, where was I? Daniel 9. Let's go back to Daniel 9. What I want to do is show you after Greece is ruling, then the Roman Empire is ruling, and these guys, Cassander and Sacamus and Ptolemy and Seleucus, would like to be in charge, but Rome is too strong, and they're ruling Israel. It was Rome that was ruling in the first century. People say, where's the beast during Jesus' day? It's Rome. It's the, the beast with iron teeth that beat up all the others, that overthrew Greece, Persia, and Babylon. It's this beast with iron teeth. And you find that beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, in Daniel, the seventh chapter, the beast rises up out of the sea. In Revelation, the the thirteenth chapter, that's the beast. What I want to do is show you next week. Come in here and show you Rome ruled Israel, Greece ruled Israel, Persia rules Israel, Babylon ruled them because they took over in 586. I want to show you that Rome is ruling Israel. And they had all kinds of problems with Israel. All kinds of problems. They didn't know what to do with them. That's why they wouldn't care if Antiochus attacked Israel, because they would crucify people in Israel themselves. So Rome is ruling, and Rome is ruling in 70 A.D., 
when Titus, the Roman general, comes in, he's had so much problems. His father is the is the king of the Roman Empire, and Titus comes in, overthrows Israel, cuts it to the ground, and then one nation after another is ruling Israel. They're falling by the sword all the way through this, all the way until until May 14th, 1948. I've got a paper that's got all these people that ruled Israel, and I gave it to y'all. And that's what that Luke 21, 24 is about. They, the Jews, will fall by the edge of the sword. This is talking about the end of time. We're coming down. I don't believe. I don't see how this world can last another 20 years. I just don't see how. There's a... I believe God has got an exact measurement of all time. Do I have any time? Eight minutes. I believe God has measured out time according to his measurement. I believe man's number is six. That's man's number. He has to work six days and the seventh he rests. God created the earth and he made the earth in six days. He didn't create it. He made the earth in six days. He rested the seventh. It looks to me we have been talking about how Israel couldn't enter into the promised land which God called his Sabbath or his rest. That would equate to us entering into heaven in eternity and that will be God's permanent rest. Before the heavens is entered into, I believe it's very possible. I'm not saying this absolutely for sure. I'm saying this is speculation that the earth will be here 6,000 years on God's calendar. I'm not talking about the beginning. You all know how I feel about the beginning. The beginning was not, I'm not going to go into it. In the beginning, God created. And the earth was without form and void. Without form is the word tohu. And God says, I did not create in vain or tohu in Isaiah 45, 18. I'm talking about back to Adam, the way God numbers. And I'm not saying... When you get into Genesis, the fifth chapter, the fifth chapter, that is, that is the righteous lineage of God start with Adam and then Seth and then uh, Enosh and Canaan and Mahalalel and Jared, all the way down to Noah and then all the way down to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Isaac and Jacob. The way God numbers, I'm not saying that there wasn't other men. These are the righteous men that God counted. We know that the Egyptian dynasties go back 10,000 years, but that's not the way God counts. In the Bible, the way he counts, 
if you measure out from Adam until Jesus, it's 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. If it's true that man's number is six, there would be 2,000 years uh, to another, to the end of time. In Acts 2, I've got a message I teach on the last days. Acts 2, now this is speculation. This very well could be that it will be 2,000 years from Acts 2. Peter said, this is that. This is that. That was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last days, in the last days, this would happen. Well, if this is that, and in the last days, God's pouring out of his spirit on Gentiles, or all flesh, or red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh, then the last days are here in Acts 2, which is approximately 33 to 35 A.D. We're not real sure. 33 to 35. If a day is of the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, 2,000 years from 33 to 35 A.D. would be 2033, 2035. That's in the epistle of Barnabas, which is not in the scriptures, but that's very possibly so, because we're in such a wreck in this world. To get to three, to get to 2033, I mean, we're talking about 13 years from now. This whole world can explode with what's going on today, isn't it? I'm not naming this. Exactly, I'm saying this is very possible that we'll be at the end up here around 2033 to 35. Now, we don't know, but the Bible does say no man knows the day nor the hour. But the Bible also says, God says in Matthew 24, even though you don't, don't, don't know the day nor the hour, I will give you signs, and you will know by the season. The season looks like it's here. I've always wanted to be around when Jesus comes. I may not like it when we have to suffer the attack upon the church according to Revelation 13 and Daniel 7. The church is going to go under attack. I believe that it's already under attack by our governments. So next week I'm going to come back and show you all these people. I've got that on this paper right here. And if you don't have one, I may have some over here. I'll give you a copy. And it shows all the nations when... When Rome quit ruling Israel in 70 A.D., Titus, the Roman general, A.D., Vespasian was his father. And he was the, he was the emperor of Rome at this 70 A.D. This is where Titus, the Roman general, comes in. Later on, he becomes emperor. But Titus comes in, levels Jerusalem, and they have that big final 
last stand at Masada. Masada is a mountain over by the Dead Sea, and they went up on it. It's a flat top mountain, and they made their last stand there, and that's where Titus attacked and slaughtered the Jews for the last stand. I believe that we're. I've heard other preachers preach that we were close to the end of time in the 50s as some things happened since then the world has gotten literally gone off the deep end and with all of these riots all of this sickness that's in the world with the beast taking over the beast very well can be a new world order under the control of certain powers in the world they know they got problems with food they know they can't plant everywhere in the world they've got to cut down the population they have to do this they're going to they're going to want to kill off so many of the population of the world you say well they got all that land out there in the midwest that's for planting for the people that are here now you got over a billion people in India. You got a billion people in China. This, this thing is getting so overgrown, we can't do anything about it. But next week, I'm going to try to take you through all the peoples that have ruled Israel. And the Bible says Israel will be led into all nations until the times of the Gentile rule is done. And it's done. The thing is, God says in Amos, the ninth chapter, when I bring Israel back, I'll never root them up again. They're there for the duration, for the stay. I'm out of time. I've got so many things to say on this. I have to just shut it down and come back next week. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. I pray somehow you'll give me the ability to say this to the folks that they'll become aware, maybe even frighten them to see the things coming on the earth. You said that's what men will fear for seeing these things coming. But you said there'd be no answer. Lord, thank you for choosing us and letting us see your truth. We'll praise you for everything. Fight our battles for us, Lord. We can't fight. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. This is just a start on this.